The Incomparable is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Enhance your technology aptitude with IT Pro TV, the resource to keep your IT skills up to date with engaging and informative video tutorials. For a free 7-day trial and 30% off the lifetime of your account, go to itpro.tv/snell and use the code snell. The Incomparable number 290, March 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we're going to open up the video game, the dusty covers of the video game club, which doesn't get uh, work out that often, but we're back to talk about a recently released game called Firewatch from Campo Santo and published by Panic. It's available for Windows, OS X, Linux, and if you've got a PS4, it will work on there, too. Uh, joining me to talk about this recent release video game which i so rarely play but i did this time it's very exciting are my panelists fine group all brian hamilton hello wait we're not here to play wizards and wyverns uh wait for it uh tiffany arment is is back to talk more video games hello hi it's good to have you serenity caldwell's out there hello hello Hello, it's the ghost of Serenity called the <laughs> flu-racked ghost, but she's there. I'm, I'm trying to imitate what it might sound like coming through a walkie-talkie. Oh, nice. Tony Sindelar is scanning the forest. Hi, Tony. Hi. And John Syracuse, of course, because we're talking about video games. I'm glad I don't see a tiny progress bar counting down when I'm asked to reply on the show. Wait, you don't see that? It's there. <laughs> it's in my It's in my mind. <laughs> the, the why isn't the answer? Well, we'll move on. Um... I ha- I wanted to start this. Uh, so th- this is interesting. I guess disclosure here is many of us know the people at Panic who published this game. Although I don't know anybody at Campo Santo who 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 produced it, and I really only uh, saw a preview of it at XOXO last fall. But uh, that's all really I knew about it. Um, and uh, I played it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, my only other bit of disclosure, if, if this is an opening statement, so be it, is when I was, I had just graduated from college in uh, 1992, I uh, worked for the summer at my uh, local newspaper back home. And one of the stories that I wrote was about a guy named Herb who was a fire spotter. And he lived for the summer in a single room platform at the top of a mountain. And looked for smoke from forest fires and radioed them in. And I went out to the uh, to the the fire tower and interviewed him. And so to see a game based on that premise, I it sort of tickled me. Um, and I can say that it pretty much jibes with my my memory of his fire tower, the setting of the fire tower in Firewatch. So yeah, I got I got kind of a kick out of it. It wasn't a two day hike to get there, which is part of the plot of of Firewatch. Mm-hmm. So, so Firewatch is a it's a it's a game where you are uh, you are Henry, uh, who who is working in Wyoming in the national forest as a fire spotter. So he has got his he t- takes a two day hike and goes to this uh, tower where he can overlook the forest and he can see off to another ridge where there's another tower in which is Delilah, who is another person uh, working as a fire spotter and she's sort of his manager. And then uh, we have a sort of adventure and discussion and flashbacks of Hen- of what has brought Henry to this point. Um, and that is what Firewatch is all about. Um, so uh, what, what do people think? I'm going to start here. 
Firewatch opens with an interesting structure where you are uh, sort of in a series of flashbacks about how you get to the lookout. And it's not sort of just a prologue that gets you there, but a series of choices you've got to make. And they're kind of interlaced with arriving in the in the forest. And I'm curious what everybody thought about the way that the story starts. It is incredibly cinematic, especially because uh, it completely breaks the um, the expectation that this is going to be, you know, that kind of cinematic game with those um, uh, with those text adventure bits where you get to choose what you say uh, in the bar and uh, what you say on the balcony and things like that. And then goes back to these beautifully faded in, faded out moments that are timed perfectly. It feels this is the most playable movie style game I've ever played. <laughs> Well, it's different than a lot of the uh, games that use the same mechanics where there will be text on the screen and you have a series of choices very early on in the intro sequence, which, uh, by the way, is not really what the rest of the game is like. It is more like a pre-credits type sequence where they make you pick choices. It becomes clear if you've played a lot of these adventures that this is mostly not going to be one of those games where they present you with a series of choices and based on your choices, you are defining your character very early on. They force mm. you to make a series of choices, none of which <laughs> a are like of bad choices. <laughs> the quote, the quote unquote good choices, you, because that's the type of game you can play. A lot of a lot of games that are like that, they give you a range of choices where you can decide what kind of person you want to be. But this game is different. This game has an idea of who this character is or needs to be for the purposes of the story, and you are forced to essentially choose from several what you might consider bad choices, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely frames this game as even though it has the trappings of the, you know, sort of the, the telltale style games like The Walking Dead or whatever, where you're expecting someone to say, you know, uh, you know, Carrie will remember this or whatever. Uh, this is more like you are the person saying that you will remember this, because although there are many different choices, um, there this is not a role-playing game. You don't get to define Henry. Henry is a person, and you get to sort of inhabit him for the course of the game. Also, in all of my playthroughs, none of the different choices you make really affect anything in the long run, just how you relate to Henry and Delilah. And I I think the opening, I think, John, you said it really well in terms of you inhabit him, and I thought the opening did a really great job of, like, placing you inside of him pretty quickly uh, and pretty efficiently and elegantly. Thoroughly. I have to say something about that. See, and I'm really curious how, Serenity, you feel about it, too, in that when I started playing this game, I had a really hard time connecting to it because it's such a personal, emotional embodiment of the game. And I, I guess as like a woman playing this game, I couldn't get into it as much because I felt already like this game wasn't supposed to be made for me a little bit because of I'm not Henry. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. I didn't feel the same way Henry was feeling or doing the same thing Henry was doing because I, I just felt like, I don't know, I, I, I relate more when I can play as a female character. And I think that a game specifically like this, um, where it is so personal and it's so emotional and it's so specific to you are, as you guys said, like embodied inside of Henry, I felt um, disconnected from that. And... So that, bo- you know, that bothered me a little bit. And when I played this, the game the second time, I was able to kind of like let that go a little bit more. But it's still, it, you know, guys don't have to, you know, when you see a game like this, you don't have to worry about, is this game made for me? Because it is. And you don't have to think like that mm-hmm. you're going to feel, 
differently about the character um, because it just is made for you. So I don't know. I, I had a little bit of a hard time connecting. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree with you in the beginning, um, especially those sort of initial, uh, as as you were describing, very cinematic scenes. Um, to me, it it there was a little bit of a, a disconnect from it. Um, because yeah, it's, it's very hard to be like, yes, I am a late twenties college dude who drinks a lot and these are my motivations and this is who, mm-hmm. like it, it takes, it, it took a, a little bit for me to not only get the character, but to feel like I could <laughs> actually, I'll be honest, like there are parts of me that identify with Henry throughout the game, but there oh, were parts of, of me that were still like, you stupid idiot. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Why are you saying these things? Why don't you get that this is a code that your supervisor is like? There's so many, so many things in this game where I'm just like, oh my god, you're just you're a lug, you're you're a, a lovable lug, but oh gosh, yeah, like when they ask like, how do you pose, you know? And you're like, oh, do you pose like you're frolicking Victoria's Secret model or you're a <laughs> macho man? And I looked at Marco because my husband, who was you know watching me play while I was playing the game, and I'm like. I don't know which one do you want to do because like I, like there were a couple of questions in the very beginning to like set the tone of the game and I like turned to him I'm like I don't know I don't know I was able to pick the dog you know I'm like I'm not gonna oh, yeah. be a jerk I'm totally picking bucket every time that's what she wants like of course you know can't be a jerk here but yes <laughs> that is the correct answer everyone playing we're this all game. on team bucket right oh yeah <laughs> yes team bucket team or bucket. bust <laughs> uh, you know the, the gender angle does make it easier for guys to relate because at least they have a, a fighting chance maybe you knew somebody who was like this maybe you can relate to be if you're married you can relate to being married or to trying to pick up a woman in a bar when you're drunk or something like that but like I said in the beginning even for guys, the game forces you to realize you are not playing as yourself. You are being asked to inhabit this character, this character that makes bad choices and that yeah. you, you're only given the choices you're given. None of them are the ones you feel like oh, these are the choices I would make. So you have to. It's kind of like when you're reading a book and, and the main character is to nothing your like adventure. you. <laughs> right. Well, it was like you're reading just a regular novel and the main character is nothing like you. You have to the, a good book will say, well, even though this character is nothing like me and does make decisions that I would never make. Because they're the protagonist, and if the author does a good job, you can end up relating to them. Um, and, and it's kind of like Life is Strange is not this is a similar game to Firewatch, but Life is Strange you're asked to play as a, as a you know a young teenage girl. Um, a lot of games are like that in that they they ask you to be somebody you're not, and it's a different kind of game where you have to accept that it is not a role playing game, and you don't get to define the character. You just get to. I mean, gone home, for example. I mean, I didn't. I, I could I relate to the experiences of a you know a young lesbian teenager and gone home. No, but if you you know eventually you switch your mindset and say, all right, this is not me. This is this character, and I'm sort of being within. I don't know. Inhabiting is one word because you are animating them and you are making choices. Um, it's kind of like role playing in the D and D sense, where you are assigned a character and you have to be a gruff dwarf. And even if you're not a gruff kind of person, you feel like, well, time to pretend I'm a gruff dwarf, right? Because that's this character or whatever, and you can get into yeah. it in that way. Yeah, but I mean, that's but this is like a, a very personal character. You know, he's a person. He's making choices. He's doing things like. And I think let me just say that the writing and everything was really great. That eventually, you know, I was able to let that go and be like, okay, I'm playing as Harry. I, well, Harry, that's who I thought. I always kept thinking he was Harry from uh, <laughs> Mad Men. I'm like, I'm just making Harry's choices. Like, that's all I'm doing here. But why couldn't but, they have done a version where you got to pick the gender of the character? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I understand because yeah. they put so much time. It would have been an extra stuff. More actors. So much time into the voice acting. Yeah. You don't get to change what happens in the game because money. Because yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. 
But going back to what you were saying about character, John, because that was that was what eventually sort of made me embrace the the game as as uncomfortable as I felt in sort of the initial few minutes. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what I used to do as a kid, actually as a kid in the woods, where I would read books. Um, and then, you know, you would, you, you have the book, the story that's in the book. And then occasionally you go and, uh, you, you take the character out of the book and you say, oh, you know, like, I wonder what would happen if Luke's got, like, if Luke Skywalker was in the middle of the woods, I wonder what he, decisions he would make. I want, you know, and you start, it's, it's almost like developing a character for your own book and, and in, in, like, putting some of your own voice into a predetermined character and playing with them outside the constraints of a, a traditional story. And it's, it's kind of a weird way of describing how I felt about this game. But, um, but in some ways, it was very much like, okay, I'm taking somebody else's character. This is not a character I would have ever written. Um, but as a writer, it was really interesting to me to play this game and think about that, think about his decisions and his choices as like, I am painting the future of Henry the character of, you know, of, of Harry Crane in the 1980s, um, as a, as a slightly lovable, slightly doofus in the, in the middle of the woods. Um, and part of it is, you know, how, what, how would you react? But moreover, I felt more and more like, this person is not is never going to be me, but I can I can role play as this character. You know, like you were saying, I can I can inhabit this character and and play within them. What makes this game so incredible is that it tricks you into thinking you're the one that's driving all of the action because mm. everything's already written, all the dialogue is already recorded. All you're doing is just pushing WASD to move around and make everything move forward. So the fact that the writing can suck you into thinking that you are the actual one creating the story. Like if Firewatch was a short story or a movie, it would probably be pretty good, but it would be nowhere near as effective as if you were the one actually wandering through the woods and digging things up and putting out fires and the luke skywalker in the woods angle the the part that is extra difficult about this is when you play as another character even in gone home or life is strange or something in general the protagonist is uh, admirable or heroic or even if they make choices you wouldn't make it's usually because they're more brave than you are or, or you know like that the, there's a hero to the story whereas right off the bat in this one the protagonist in the story, which you are being asked to play, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm better than this guy. I mean, like, you know, like you just they force you to select among bad choices and things turn badly. And by the time you end up in that firewatch station, you kind of think of this guy. You, I mean, I think you're in the place the game wants you to be like, this guy's life is a mess and it's his mm -hmm. own fault. I think and, you're supposed to be like uncomfortable, like, play oh, very, right? Like, I mean, like I he think is, that seems he, very intentional. Like, bad things happened to him and he didn't handle them well. And you, quote unquote, you didn't handle them well because the only two choices you were ever given in all the choices was like bad and bad. Again, the dog choice was the only easy one there. <laughs> um, and, and really, the dog choice is only easy for us because we're a bunch of softies, right? But someone else somewhere is going like, obviously, you pick the German Shepherd. But anyway, um, <laughs> like it, you end up, they're trying to put you into place. You're never going to feel like, unless you've had something like Henry had happened to him, whereas his wife gets, we, you know, we do, do we spoiler horn already? Uh, no, but there are things we're going to fire the spoiler horn off for. But um, the essentially the prologue of the story you shouldn't be listening to this podcast if you want to go into it cold so i'm All not right. going to fire yeah. the spoiler horn off i'm just going to say we're going to talk about the setup of the story and feel free about it all right, so his his wife has dementia and is eventually put in a home. If unless that has happened to you, you can never be in that headspace. The closest the game can get is to 
essentially make you participate in a series of bad choices leading up to him being away from his wife and you should feel bad about it because you, you know if it was just if you didn't have any choices you'd say this guy's away from his wife and i feel i look down on him for that but because you were forced to pick left or right a or b a whole bunch of times you have a little bit of i feel bad because i did that and especially on the first playthrough you're like Maybe one of the other choices I didn't pick would have led to a better dialogue tree. I mean, and and that would have led to a situation where I don't feel quite as bad. Uh, but that's what they want you to be once you get into that station. They want you to be disoriented, kind of feeling a little bit guilty, not sure what's what, still thinking about that whole prologue sequence, and then being thrust into, you know, Delilah squawking at you over the radio to go, well, what's this all about? What am I supposed to be doing? Fire what now? I, I think... um if it, if it is, and it, I assume it is, a creative decision to make you uh, uncomfortable and give you actually some sort of remove from Henry or, you know, you're like a, you're operating him, but you're almost like a dissenter while you're operating him. You're like, all right, well, I'll play as this guy, but only under protest because that's definitely how I felt. And I did have a problem with it. I felt like... um I certainly would have been more comfortable being shown a prologue that says this guy's messed up and uh, now you get to steer him as opposed to what what Firewatch does, which is makes you complicit in his screw ups that you can't. It makes you very uncomfortable, or at least it made me very uncomfortable to have to make mm-hmm. all of those bad decisions and to not have any choice but to make one bad decision or another. I don't know how many people played it alone versus with someone nearby, but someone was watching me play it and they're like, whoa, this gets heavy fast. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like, I mean, I, I kind of knew what the concept of the game was, but I was not perhaps emotionally prepared for what that little prologue was going to be like. And not the, at magi- all. the magic trick is that uh, if you're in the right headspace, once you get there, you start to like sort of cognitive distance checks in. You're like, well... Yeah, things are in a bad situation, but, you know, I really didn't have much of a choice. And for people in that situation, and anytime you've done something bad in your life, very often you say, yeah, things ended up this way, but it's not like I had that much of a choice. Like, that that if you are in a bad situation in life, very often it seems as if, at the time, you all you had a choice of is a series of bad choices, and whichever one you would have picked, there was no alternate dialogue tree. You would have always led to this situation, and sort of like, to explain your own life to yourself, that... um that even though if you look at my life, you would feel like you obviously made some dumb choices and you could have made better ones. For me, experiencing that time, all I ever saw in front of me were two choices, both of which were bad, and I tried to pick the least bad one and still ended up in a bad place. Um, and if you can get into that mindset, you can kind of start to identify, because he literally is in a game where you know you can't, you can't get to a situation where you are better to your wife and you know the whole nine yards, right? You can't do that. Um, but... When he's in that firewatch station, not that he has a chip on his shoulder, but you can kind of tell that he's has justified some. I mean, he's running away from it all. And like, you know, if you were to talk to him, if you were to have like free dialogue with Henry and say, so what's the deal with all that stuff with your wife and everything? He'd be like, you know, in hindsight, uh, it, you know, it just seemed like at the time there was no way out. Like that any, nothing I did was the right thing to do. I think the um, listening to, to Tiff and, and Serenity talk about the... Uh, um, the, the the issues with this, you know, there are a lot of games that will put women in the in male characters with no choice. But I I wonder because I felt this way too as a man playing a male character. I think the intimacy of this story, the emotional connection, and what's happening here, you're inside this person's life, makes it a lot harder to um 
to connect than than just saying, well, you know, you got a gun and you fight aliens, and yeah, your 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 character is male, but whatever, right? This is you can't just shrug it off. Exactly. This is this is you you are talking about the formation of a relationship, and then the all the problems in the relationship, and then this horrendous kind of end of the relationship. Mm. All of that happens, and it's it's you know it, it's not. It's that that intimacy, I think, is the thing that really makes it um, different than just inheriting some character that. All right, I guess I'm playing this game now. Let's take a break so I can tell you about one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by IT Pro TV. If you've got a career plan you want to set in motion, looking to start a career in IT or already working in the field, certificates, credentials, these are the keys to getting a job or a promotion. And that is the mission of IT Pro TV, education through engagement with up-to-date, high-quality video content and access to the most important tools you need for technology certification. They've got more than 1,000 hours of content, more than 50 hours being added every week. They are streamed live. And, of course, they're available on demand worldwide to video player boxes, mobile devices, or computers. Course topics include Apple Certified Support Professional, Apple Certified Technical Coordinator, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Technology Certification, Google Apps for Work Administrator, Virtualization, and a whole lot more. Includes 100 or more step-by-step virtual machine labs and Transcender practice exams. That's $109 value. All of this you get for one low monthly subscription price. There's a no-hassle cancellation policy. If you're studying with a book or enrolled in a certification or technical degree program, this is a great supplement. If you're a working IT professional, this is the ongoing resource you need to help keep your skills current. So check out itpro.tv slash Snell to upgrade your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions, normally $57 a month or $570 a year, but there's a special offer. You can try it free for seven days when you sign up using code Snell to check out their courses, live stream, and much more. And you'll also get 30% off, not just for a little while, but for the lifetime of your account with IT Pro TV. That's less than $40 a month or $3.99 for the entire year. That's itpro.tv slash Snell and use code Snell to try it free for seven days and save 30% forever. Thank you to IT Pro TV for sponsoring The Incomparable. We should talk a little bit about uh, the forest, I think. Mm. The um, that is that is a major character in this game is the forest, and your job as the fire watch person is to watch for fires, um, and then you get down off of the the tower and you run around in the forest, and that is most of this game. This game is like a forest simulator on one level, <laughs> and I actually was was thinking to myself, so I have two two questions and two points I wanted to make, and I'm interested in your thoughts about, um, and one of them is. I really enjoyed running around in the forest and I had missions to accomplish in this game. So it was more than just running around. But honestly, I had a moment where I thought, you know, I could probably just wander around in this forest. And it's like a great game for nerds who always think about going hiking, but would rather just sit in front of their computer. You can hike in the forest <laughs> on your computer. So, so and I, not lose any toes. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but it was, I thought that was beautiful and well-realized. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention in this, in this section that I'm curious about is uh, for a game called Firewatch, there is literally zero fire watching. I kept expecting that the, <laughs> it would start with you wandering around on the tower, looking out in the forest, waiting to see a puff of smoke somewhere and then radioing it in. And you're never given that opportunity. And I'm sure they had a good reason they wanted to kick off the storyline and not bore people. But I kind of wanted it to say, here's your job. Stand here. 
here are some binoculars, look around and do that for a little while before something happened, or maybe even during the story, have it just like totally slow down back to, well, just go back to doing your job. But and it bugged me a little bit that at no point does Henry do his job, like the job of a person in a firewatch station. Instead, the times presumably when he's doing that, we've got sort of fade in and out and we never see them. And I kind of wanted that. I kind of wanted that boredom and quiet of staring out of the forest. There was a time of that. There was um, yeah. on day three, they gave you like a free time where they're like, all right, well, when you're ready, you talk to me, but, you know, go do what you need to do. And you can kind of like not engage the well, story at that point and just kind of do what you want. I instantly said, OK, I'm ready and didn't spend any time yeah, wandering around at all. <laughs> yeah, you can totally delay I spent it. way too much time early on. Yeah, you can delay it as long as you want. And the, there, are, there are little bits, too, um, in the in the middle days. I think it's like day four. 30 or day 40, something like that. Um, whenever, uh, right after you see, you do see the fire in midnight, uh, the June fire, uh, there are a couple of, a couple of things. The, the forest exploration aspect is really eerie <laughs> to me in some ways. So, I mean, I grew up in the Sierras, um, in the summers, we have a cabin up, up north of Lake Tahoe. And granted, this is not, this is not even remotely, uh, designed to look like the Sierras, but it still has a, and there's a familiarity yep. to being in the absolute wilderness and wandering around and feeling like even with all of the, um, the later slightly terrifying things that happen in the story, all the things was, that will happen behind the spoiler yeah, horn. Behind this, yeah, behind <laughs> the spoiler horn. Um, the forest does not feel menacing at it, it, it first, even even in the potentially spoiler horny stuff. The forest, um, it's 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 this weird like you can be out in the middle of nowhere, even in the middle of nowhere game wise, and not be worried that someone is going to jump out and scream at you. Um, not worried that you're going to stumble and then fall down a ravine. Uh, it, it's all of the, all of the things that I remember loving about exploring the forest as a child, being able to run up trails and, uh, no, like nose through brook, uh, bushes and hear this, the very, like the, the soundscapes in this, in this game are so good. I, I had a moment where I, where I was running through a meadow and thinking, this is great because at no point is this game going to make me look down at my shoelaces and pick out all the stickers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or deal with uh, deal with all the mosquitoes flying around. Or just even in like in other video games. I mean, R Red Dead Redemption has all these wonderful like uh, soaring vistas, and you'll be looking around, and then like it'll be really like taking in the atmosphere, and then you'll get mauled by a bear or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys find a raccoon? Yes, I heard there was a raccoon. Yeah, it's really cute. It's super cute. I have a picture <laughs> of him on my camera. Oh, oh, you got a picture? I got. Yeah. Him, I saw him earlier before I had the camera. I got I saw him right after I got the camera and I was like, well, if if nothing else was a camera moment, this is a camera moment. <laughs> now did anybody get a turtle? No. No, I see it on the screenshot page on the website, but I did not get him. And that that get back, gets back to what you guys were talking about before in that I always felt because I'm a gamer and uh, a game player compelled to go to the next objective for two reasons. One, that like, you know, you want to see how the story is going to go. So every time you realize there's a story beat, you know, you always go what's the next story beat? What's the next story beat? Um and the second thing is that, like, I, again, being a gamer, I had it in my head that the day-night cycle was dynamic and scaled, as in, like, you know, one hour of game time equals 24 hours of whatever, you know, whatever scale it was, that, it, like, the clock was running at all times, when in reality it was probably checkpointed, and that, like, this scene happens during dusk, and you have basically, 
you know, like I was afraid, I was always afraid that the sun would go down completely and not that there would be a lose condition, but that I would, that I would miss out on some part of the game by being bad at navigation, essentially like getting from point A to point B. So at every point in the game, I, it was like a page turner in a novel. I was compelled to go to the next point, to the next point, to the next point. And I'm, I'm with Jason in that, not that I think it would have been a better game with this, but just that what I was looking for in some areas was the, like in a longer game, there would have been more like this, like a time when you were just sort of hanging out in the woods and sort of taking ownership of it. And I think one of the main reasons they couldn't do that in this game, aside from trying to make it tight and make it, you know, all fit together nicely, is again, budget. Because the woods, although they look like woods, have to be constructed as a series of funnels to herd cattle into a certain number of places. There, a lot of it is open, but there are essentially invisible walls made of brush. Some brush you can clear, a lot of brush you can't. Some rocks with carefully painted white ledges you can go up, other boulders are just an invisible wall for you. Um, and they have to do that to corral people through the story of the game, whereas if it was an open-world game, like... Like, they had to strike the balance between, we want you to feel like this is an entire woods that is completely open to you, but on the other hand, we do have story beats to hit, and we do want people to be successful to navigate from point A to point B, so we do kind of want to corral you in the right direction. Um, and again, I think it all just comes down to budget and development time. You can't make this magical game that's like, oh, it's a big fantasy open world, and you can spend as much time as you want and go anywhere you want, but also there's a tightly paced story that clicks for people and that they're able to play, and that's that's just something inherent in sort of small uh independent non-big budget games and i don't think the game is lesser for it because i kind of see all the reasons that they chose to do it that way but the game just looks so beautiful that i do wish there was a like a game with 700 times the budget that was like this but fully realized with no invisible walls i showed this game to my brother i was watching him play over his shoulder and he is a much more quote unquote traditional gamer you know the first person shooters and things like that and he is the kind of person i realized just then watching him play this where he is the person who will play the game based on where they don't want you to go whereas i'm the kind of gamer (laughs) that plays based on where the game obviously wants you to go and that makes a lot of sense for these story games because you know there's paths there's uh, story beats that you need to hit there's uh, you know dynamic lighting that shows okay when you're at this point you're at dusk you're at this point you're doing this scene things like that and he was going uh, all the way over to the edge and trying to figure out oh can i go over this like in skyrim no okay and it it if there was a game with, you know, 700 times the budget where you could have everything look just this beautiful, Grand Theft Auto V really does not look as beautiful as this, but everything is interactable. That's not a word. Everything is able to, uh, you know, be interacted with. Everything is able to be, you know, you can drive around everywhere. And it doesn't look nearly as good as Firewatch. And when it comes to bang for your buck and most game for your time, Firewatch is a much better game despite, you know, at what you were saying, John, all those invisible walls and all of the things that they need to get in there uh, for the sake of budget. Budget, but also for the sake of story. See, but they did ask you to navigate. That's the tricky thing. Like Journey is another example of a small, <laughs> a small game with not a lot of place. And, and Journey is definitely funneling you the same way with the story beats. But in no part of Journey is it like, and navigate however you want from point A to point B. So you never, on a first playthrough of Journey, ideally you'd never hit an invisible wall. And I feel like almost anybody on their first playthrough of Firewatch is at some point going to hit an invisible wall, even if it's only <laughs> just a series of boulders and trees preventing you from finding well, yeah, the path. But that's what the forest is like. I, I was actually impressed that I could go as many places as I could, given how impassable so much. I mean, it, the invisible walls are visible walls because, and the they trees. fit in the storyline because boulders, yeah. trees and boulders yeah. and uh, but brush. The, and the brush or like a, a boulder that's as high as your shin, you could step over, but they 
make you walk around it. Mm. You know, like it because like you just don't have the budget to try to make completely passable terrain everywhere. You have to essentially make it passable area versus non passable wall to to funnel people around. But because they give you the freedom, it's almost open world. Like they say, get back to the tower however you want. There's a whole bunch of yeah. alternate paths. You don't have to follow the path I at like all. That. But if you take one of the alternate paths, it seems like it's entirely plausible that all there is is just a little ditch with a different amount of, of dirt in it and some shin-high boulders and two trees that you could clearly walk between easily. Um, it's like, no, you can't go that way. But sometimes you go up to brush and it says, you know, L2, clear brush or whatever. It's like, well, I can clear this brush, but I can't clear the other brush. Um, so it it's it's a very difficult i mean it's a challenging thing if you decide to make a game for this budget for this amount of gameplay and say oh and there's going to be an open world forest that looks gorgeous from every direction that's really hard to do they i mean it, it looks gorgeous from every direction but it is not quite open world it's like 99 percent open world. i had one of those moments that totally pulled it out of me when i was going to the scout camp and like yes. basically if i approached it from one side there was an invisible wall that just like was you just the couldn't get way. there. Yeah. I and couldn't I just, get there. And yeah. I was like, okay, I guess I'll navigate around. But it's like, why? I'm guessing did... that one was a bug. <laughs> I get. Yeah. But it's when like, you're how approaching that... the cabins from that one side instead of but the. But so front. you experienced yeah. that too, like yeah. oh yeah. yeah, I like I tried it for a really long, like stupid amount of time to like <laughs> well, get yeah. through that wall. I'm like, no, I know I can get in here because it's the second time I played. I know I'm allowed here. <laughs> for me, that moment was uh, towards the end. There was a really wonderful um, music moment where, uh, as you're supposed to be walking somewhere, the music kicks in and it's dramatic and bump a bump a bump, and I got horrifically lost and the music kept playing for maybe five or ten minutes while I was trying to get back to the path oh, and no. uh, yeah it, it just lost all of its momentum after a while I was like okay yeah this is just background noise now I need to get back on the freaking path and I mean Journey yeah. does that same thing too I, I, I experienced that too Brian it was like stop stressing me out music you made me you made me freak out and now I don't know where yeah, I am that, that's the delicate dance between the developer and the player They you want to be in harmony and when you're in harmony everything works but boy if things go off the rails and like i said i think it, it is a harder challenge to get that in this type of game where it's the woods and it's this very impressively large area a beautiful area with places you want to go to you're like oh look at that oh look at that over there oh you know even if you're not compelled to go to that objective you do want to explore and i think that leads to more people getting hung up on geometry or getting disoriented and feeling unfairly that they can't get back to the path even though they can totally see it right through that brush sprite or whatever there was one point where they wanted you to go down to the lake too, and um, they even shortened one of the um, the belaying ropes so that you couldn't get back up one of the shell slides because they really, really wanted you to go to the lake, and it was just like just a little tiny shortened up, and then the next mm -hmm. time you go see it, it's long again, and you can totally climb it. And like, you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that was a little trick, but oh well. I mean, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal if you went exploring. But Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because I think by and large, I actually – I figured out sort of the, the good places to go and the not good places to go by looking at map terrain. Uh, that map is beautiful. And I've, I was trying my hardest to work on the map without the, without my little GPS dot. Um, yeah. But, isn't that nice <laughs> that you got a paper map that has a, that has a tracker on it? It was a yes. useful mechanic, although ridiculous. I heard other people complaining about how hard it, like that getting lost and stuff. And I was like, that, I, I did not experience that. Well, so, so you can, if you're bad at directions, mm. um, which I'm not, I'm pretty good with a compass in real life, but apparently in Firewatch, all of that goes out the window because I definitely went someplace being like, I'm going south. Wait, no, now I'm hitting an impenetrable wall. Where did yeah. I go? Uh, but when I combined it with the map, it, it's very easy to see 
what areas are are basically explorable and what areas are just mountain. Um, and it was also nice because it gave me clues on sort of where to look for the hidden, not necessarily the hidden Mickeys, but, uh, but there are some, there are some interesting things in the game that I don't know. I don't necessarily think directly play to the, the primary story, but you can find by kind of wandering off and, and going into a little, did anybody, maybe this requires spoilering, but did anybody find the burned out cabin on the oh, right yeah. side? Yeah. I did not. No. That, yeah. So there's, so there, I won't tell I you I where, I won't tell you where, but there is a super, super creepy burned out cabin. And when you radio Delilah about it, Delilah is silence. Um, and you can explore said cabin. Um, but I, I ran into that really early on when the game was still very much in its happy go lucky phase. And I was like, what? It's go, okay. Now I'm getting a serious mist vibe. What's going on? Um, so, but, but I didn't, I wouldn't have found that if I hadn't been paying such close attention to the map where the like the darker shades and the lighter shades were for exploring. So I highly encourage people, if you're not finished with the game or if you're going back on a second playthrough, that's a really fun way of kind of looking through stuff. They also just released the maps uh, for download in super high quality uh, formats, so you can actually print it out and have it with you uh, yeah. while you play. The Incomparable This Week also sponsored by The Walking Dead Collector's Models. Are you a fan of AMC's hit TV series, The Walking Dead? Lots of people are. It is one of the most successful shows on television. These are officially authorized collector's models available directly from Eagle Moss Collections, the ultimate Walking Dead figurine collection for ultimate fans of the show. This is an extensive collection featuring the most popular characters from across all seasons of The Walking Dead. I've got uh, not just Rick... Of course, you've got to have Rick, but I've got Merle in front of me here, and he's got that great thing on his arm with the like the stabby uh, stabby knife at the end, which is super awesome. I've got the governor here; he's got his eye patch and a gun, uh, so straight out of uh, what is that season two, season three of The Walking Dead? So all the seasons are represented here. Every character depicted in a classic pose stands on a base and has been faithfully reproduced in one to twenty-one scale. That's about three and three quarters inches tall. They're cast in a specially formulated material resin painted by hand following original reference from the AMC archives. Each model comes with a detailed booklet spotlighting that character. You can start your collection today with Rick Grimes. I'm looking at him now. It is very much the Rick that you know in a pose that you know from The Walking Dead. It's $4.95 with free shipping. And new models are released monthly and delivered directly to your door. You can cancel your subscription at any time. For details on the entire collection and to order yours, visit twdcollection.com. Slash Snell. That's TWD for The Walking Dead Collection dot com. And thank you to Eagle Moss and The Walking Dead Collectors Models for sponsoring The Incomparable. I really enjoyed how they didn't just use, the, as we were talking about, the invisible walls to guide you, but they used the dialogue. And a lot of times Delilah would say things to you that kind of would funnel you around to get you back on track with the game. And I thought that that was kind of neat that um, sometimes when you like radio in about like a random meadow or something and she's like, why are you over there? She's like, you're not supposed to be over there. You're supposed to be doing your job. Like <laughs> yeah. stop fooling around and focus, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And that's, radio in about the utility poles. She's like, oh, these are utility poles. They're used to communicate. And if you can see them, you are way off course. <laughs> yeah, there's one that you could <laughs> even around, go, go up to um, the uh, what is, what's that called? The little trolley 
that you can it's, oh yeah like, delilah's trolley if you go up there really early she's like oh yeah it's totally closed unless it's an emergency and they make jokes and they say like it's an emergency let me over and she's uh-huh. like nice try yeah. you know so it, it kind of it's fun that you they the dialogue directs you but it also kind of builds your relationship in a different way if you hadn't found that kind of stuff and you get like more jokes that they have between each other and um the i, I think it changes their relationship a little bit like later on because then they get more their voices even sound more casual with each other mm-hmm. yeah, the, the flip side of that is if you don't communicate with her like my son was playing through this even though it's got lots of curses and everything he was oh yeah she gets she it, gets so. pissed <laughs> right so <laughs> if you, i like it's if, mad like she because he's uh you know a, a barbarian uh preteen boy um i was trying i was saying you should use the thing to answer her on the radio and he's like why why would i do it I'm like that's the game you have to you know because if you don't communicate with her if you don't encourage her series of bad puns if you don't if she, when she's going to admit that she was drunk when she called you if you don't engage in that conversation she never admits in that to that you just miss that entirely like you mm-hmm. you you fail to build a relationship so in some ways there was a little bit of the game player the person who's playing the game influencing how the story goes out if only in how much gets revealed i'm assuming by the end of the game she gets all casual and familiar anyway but it's weird to see someone playing the game who isn't compelled or at least doesn't understand that they're being asked to isn't trying to exhaust at least one branch of all the dialogue mm-hmm. trees which i think most game players are you know it's kind of like reading a book and going oh, i'm gonna skip this page of dialogue it's like what you gotta read you gotta play out the story you know whichever way it's gonna go I'm pretty certain it stays consistent throughout the game, though, like how your relationship builds. Because I don't know. Did you guys listen to the um, Up, Up, Down, Down with the game developers? I haven't yet. No. It's it's very good. It's super insightful when it comes to understanding how the how dynamic the dialogue really is and how many like audio clips that they recorded in order to really even pinpoint like, OK, someone makes this choice and then this choice and then that choice. And then it then that changes with. It, it it changes the outcome of this conversation because if you don't tell her something, you know, then she will never know it. So she can't bring it up later. So, and then that, so that changes every single kind of like the, the, I guess the, the, the tree that forms with the dialogue and it will change the course of the game. It's, it's very, very oh. interesting. I highly suggest that people who are interested in this game, listen to that episode because they, they really highlight that a lot. And uh, that made me after my first playthrough really appreciate the depth of dialogue and the voice acting and what that what this game is really highlighting so much more that's really difficult to do though because many situations even on my first playthrough i got the dialogue thing a little bit confused about the timing of like oh she would have realized she just told me that and now she's telling me the same thing in a different context you know like that that it's so very difficult to make it all seem naturalistic and again when everything's working and when when the person playing the game makes some semblance of the obvious choices and times things in the appropriate ways but it's it's very easy for it's very easy to break the game by doing what you know they don't want yeah. you to do even if you're not that kind of player i mean i like this game a lot but I, there are all these places where you can kind of see the seams and that i don't like that and and i think i'm part of uh i i don't know if i will replay this uh because in some ways i feel like if i replay it i will just see more of those and that will just kind of diminish my my enjoyment of enjoyment, it especially yeah. with i mean because i mean I'm kind of without having played it and without having gone and sought out the answer to it because I don't totally want to know. But I mean, I assume there's lots of choices you make that, or you know, almost all the choices you make really don't matter. Well, I played I, I to to counter that just a second. Uh, I, like I played it tw- differently each time. I played it twice, and the first time I made one set of decisions, and the second mm-hmm. time I made a second set. And I feel like I it 
it funneled me through the game in a similar way, but my relationship with Delilah was a little mm-hmm. bit different. And gotcha. I think that that is what is is highlighted here. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not going to drastically change the outcome of the game or anything, but your relationship with this person and I guess feels how different. You, how you feel about the character that you're embodying yeah. w- would, mm-hmm. would change. Yeah. Um, I'm just I I've played uh, other games by the same writing team, and there are lots of places where it's like you realize after the fact that they're kind of like they're false choices, and like they can feel powerful and, and motivating at the, at the time, but then when you kind of see later that like it didn't matter, it kind of like like the magic trick is undone and you're robbed but, of that. That's right? kind of the gamer's mindset though, because they're like, well, it doesn't change the ending. Like the, the only thing that matters is like at the end of the game, what happens? Do the aliens win or do they lose? Do, does yeah. the world blow up or does it I not mean, blow up? Does your so, son die or does your son yeah, live? Like, I didn't get the and, part of Firewatch where there were aliens, John. Right, but but, but that's what people mean when they talk about these <laughs> games. They're like, they're that. like oh, it doesn't okay. matter what you do. The ending is always the same but what tiff said is is true in a game like this the plot points of like who did what and what turns out to be the mystery is not entirely what this game is about and if you go through the game with a a different series of choices and you feel at the end of it that you have a very different relationship with the other the other sort of non-player character Mm -hmm. in the game that is at least 50 percent of the game but every review of it everyone who plays it will always say oh well it doesn't really matter it has the same ending is it really the same ending like no you know it it, mean plot wise it is but that's again it's i think it's a, a mindset of when reviewing games that uh, that you always think about it in terms because games can do this thing where like you have drastically different endings. You can have those type of games, which again, Firewatch signals from the very beginning. We are not that type of game. There's not a series of choices that you're going to make. They're going to make this person live and this person die or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's well, it's to, not going to be. To like pick that. on that specific example, this the, the the writers for this worked on the Walking Dead games, right? And there are all these places where it's like someone's in mortal danger, and you have basically a choice of like try and help them or leave them to die. And then what's kind of rough is that there's a a lot of times where it's like you try to help them and you are unsuccessful and they die versus you leave them and you see them die and you know you <laughs> have you feel no... differently about it at the end of the yeah. game you're like well at least mm-hmm. i tried to save them versus i was I, I yeah i mean you go. feel differently and about the person you are but it's also like you then see when you realize that that choice didn't you know you you, you also didn't have any control that's what it, yeah you know that's where you see the seam and you're like uh you it's know, it's, it's budget like, how wise. much control do I have of the world that I have? Oh, how much control do I have of this story versus is, is the story just being told to me, I guess? I mean, if you learned anything from time travel movies, you know that if you actually allow legitimate choices, it does not take long until you are essentially creating an entire world of possibilities within your tiny little mm-hmm. game. It's like, the you know, the, the, the uh, you know, unescapable math of tree branching means there are, that you and there really, are some games know, that do that which is pretty impressive mm-hmm. well you, you have to do it all you have to do it is in the big points because you can make it so, all you have does that will make people satisfied They're like wow the earth blew up or it didn't that's just two branches right but people will think oh it's a significant change these series of, of you know but it's like it's a, it's a tree that comes back in on itself and ends up with two or three different endings whereas if you allowed it to play out naturally you would start out with in one position and then end up with like 700,000 endings and that is untenable but that is the natural consequences of real life in, in a game that has a branching structure yeah you branch out but then you have to come back in to have five possible endings 25 endings but not a million endings not two to the power of 65 right. endings right you know what i mean and that's what that's what realistically it would be like i like when the game gave you one choice at certain points and you had to click that one choice yeah. to move on mm-hmm. i mean like i feel like that that's like forcing you to own that choice and to become that choice in that character, you know, and I, I thought that that was a nice touch um, that that even though it wasn't 
you know, your choice and it wasn't making the tree any broader and it wasn't like making it dynamic or giving you a better option. It was still making you click that. And by clicking it, you were like, okay, as this character, I'm making this choice to say this or not say this or do this or not do this, but you're doing it. You have to click it. So, but anyways, you're complicit now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, think about games like journey and gone home where there is no choice, where everything that happens, you're controlling it, but there is a single linear path. And I don't think there's any diminishing returns between having several different options or several different endings or tree branches or whatever, versus just having one narrative experience that is fantastic, even the first time. And then you go back. And even if you can see the seams as you go back, as you make the same decision, or different decisions or no decisions because there's only one narrative path. I feel like there is no, like, I, I would not call this a better game because there's extra options regardless of whether or not those options really affect anything in terms of plot. Isn't that a whole psychological thing that if you have more choices, you're less happy? Yeah. <laughs> with your I, outcome i, I think in, I a, in a character-driven game like this that what you really want is i i, I like the idea that the plot is really going to go as it's going to go but your relationship is going to be impacted by the choices you make your relationship with that person on the other side of the uh the, of the canyon on the other end of the walkie-talkie and and i like that about it that you know i if if you feel like nothing matters then it can take you out of the game if you're just completely on rails and you know there there but here what you get is the plot is is uh pushing you in that in the direction you need to go but the relationship is something that you have to tend to and build and make choices about and having it feel like that has an impact makes you feel like you you know you did you did have you did have an experience where you helped create it, even if you were still kind of on the on the uh, on the rails in terms of the plot itself. So all well, those other games you mentioned, uh, like they they have all the things you described, but they always want to give you something else to uh, to enjoy and play. So, for example, in Journey, uh, the thing they're giving you is your experience with the other player, which is an actual human. is very unpredictable, even though your interaction is very constrained. That can totally change your experience of the game, even though there are essentially no choices during the game. The Walking Dead, I think what it gives you is a lot of branches that eventually merge back together, a story with characters, like it's more of a faceless protagonist so you can kind of define more. Um, and I think one of, one of the key points in The Walking Dead for me is at one point in the game, something happened and I felt compelled. For the whole rest of the game, I was just playing, playing, making my choices as best I can, enjoying it. But at a certain point, something happened that I felt like I need to go back from, to the last checkpoint. Because I know there's some way I got to be able to not let this happen, and I wanted to do that mostly because I was invested in the characters and the story, and I didn't want this thing to happen. I figured it's just me. I've made a series of bad choices. There must be a way to avoid this. And when I found that it was unavoidable, it was a little bit disappointing, but it also showed me that I had become invested in a character and enough in these characters that I cared that this choice that I made led to this outcome. And yes, it reveals that the game is a little more limited. Mm. Now, this game, like Journey, it doesn't have other human players for you to play with. But it has some other part of the game that is supposed to be making up for the fact that you are essentially being led through the the, the trail by a bridle, and that's the your interactions with Delilah, which do vary. The scenery you're sort of you're sort of eventually becoming invested in and taking ownership of this experience, and the sort of uh, am I going crazy? What is really going on here? Uh, uh, you know what is it called Encyclopedia Brown side plot journey that makes up the heart of this game that we still haven't really talked about. Right. Which we, I think we should uh, I think we should get to. Let me take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And now you can get fifty dollars off 
any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash Snell and using code Snell at checkout. Look, we all spend about a third of our lives sleeping. You should do it on a good mattress. Casper brings together two great technologies. They like to say for better nights and brighter days. I've been sleeping on a Casper mattress for like a year and a half now, and it's a great mattress. It's so much better than the mattress that I had. They have a a really interesting construction process. There are two kinds of foam. There's latex foam that's the top layer. It's the one that gives you this really good feel. Uh, I, I guess that's what they would call just the right sink. And then there's a firmer memory foam layer underneath. They would say just the right bounce. It does not feel like you're going to sit on the edge of a trampoline when you sit on the mattress. Uh, And when you lay down, you're going to get a great, comfortable feel, much better than you'd get laying on a mattress in a store for two minutes, because you get to try it. They have a free trial and return policy. You can get a Casper mattress, try for up to 100 days, and if you're not happy, they'll pick it back up and take it away, and you'll get your money back. That's right. So the risk is less buying a mattress from Casper on the internet than it would be going to a store laying on a mattress for two minutes and hoping that you made the right call. You get $500 for a twin-size mattress. You can pay $950 for a king-size mattress from Casper. Compare that to industry prices. You'll find out that these are reasonably priced mattresses, and they feel so good. So get $50 toward any mattress purchase at Casper by going to casper.com slash Snell and using code Snell. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for sponsoring The Incomparable and giving me a good night's sleep every night. I hope we have satisfied your uh, your uh, curiosity enough to make you interested in playing this game. But now we're going to we're going to break down some of the things that happen uh, toward the end in terms of the plot. So we're going to fire off the spoiler horn. <laughs> There it goes. Ow, that was so loud. Louder than ever, <laughs> the spoiler horn has come It echoes come throughout the woods. It does. It does. That's right. The spoiler horn fire. That's right. Um, <laughs> Play with spoiler horn echo. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I so the, the plot here, we get, we get, there's, there's a, a bunch of different strands. We've got the, we see a figure early on that's unidentified. There's a break into the to the uh to the the tower um we find the backpack full of ropes that's from the kid we learn about Brian and and Ned who are out there in the in the forest um there are there are the teenage girls down at the lake that you end up going down there who are firing off fireworks um and then there is there are a series of sort of paranoid things about people who are watching them and listening to their radios. And there's a whole fenced off area that that nobody seems to know about and a tracking device and, you know, extra radios and all sorts of things like that, as well as this fire that that starts and uh, and spreads. So, you know, there's a lot of different stuff that happens. And even though it feels very linear when you're playing it, you know, when you think back, you're like, well, you know, is it all connected? Is it not connected? But, you know, the, these are the different threads that are building throughout the throughout the story. So what, what, what did people think about the um, about the 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 plot threads and whether they're connected or not? I have an opinion that I'm going to share later about some of it, because I think some of it works better <laughs> than others of it. Oh, 100 percent. Right. Yeah. But uh, what do you what do you think? I, I I enjoyed the interaction with the with the teenagers out in the woods. I feel like there's I feel like the the game hits you with the two things that you're going to think about about being on the woods, especially if you've never really done it. But even if you have, like one of them is 
people like like delilah says over the radio at one point it's like what well, i gotta let you know that there are like people out there because <laughs> it's the national forest and people can go out there this so you job may, it's outside yeah it's, it's, it's outside <laughs> um and and so but the two things that you get is one you get a kind of slightly scary or not interaction which which totally happens where it's like i see a figure uh, he may be looking at me and then he's gone. Is that creepy or is that just how life is out in the woods? Um, and then the other one is the is is the people who are out of civilization sometimes behave strangely because they get to do whatever they want because they're outside of civilization. And that's what the the girls uh, at the uh, the girls at the at the lake are doing. And so I like that those two elements happen right away because, you know, th- those it, it's a good uh uh, introduction to the plot to have have those two things and then they also set you on edge because you're like you're an authority figure at, on, one, on the one hand but on the other hand then maybe there are creepy things going on and when the cabin gets broken into you've got two suspects so you're already kind of like not sure about what's happening and that's what that's what propels the story i think it's an interesting choice for me there were two things going on about like the plot and the way that the game unrolled it one there were so many red herrings oh my god the entire game so was many. red herring central <laughs> mm-hmm. and and I feel like the impact there is at the end of the game when you realize how relatively tame the actual uh, events are. I mean, there's no like big grand conspiracy. It's just Ned being a creep and being lonely and regretting his son's death. Uh, the fact that that is all that there is at the end of the game really uh, – I mean, not all. Like not that that's not a super impactful moment, but there's still something there where it's like – we spend the entire game freaking out about government agencies and uh, <laughs> these two girls that we don't really understand and some creepy person with a light. Like, it ends up being something that's much more down to earth. That's the word I'm looking for, down to earth, than any of the other crazy things that you're thinking about during the game. And second, I feel like uh, the whole game, I was trying to figure out what the rules of the game were, whether or not we would see other people, whether or not, you know, Delilah was even real. They dispelled that. But there was moments where I was thinking, are we going to see any other creatures? Are we going to see anything move? And I was trying to extrapolate where the game would go based on that. And at the, in the end, we don't meet Delilah. We only ever see one other actual human person at the very end who brings you in uh, to the chopper. And we see, what, a deer at the very beginning? But that's it in terms of uh, other playable characters. And I that's, thought... That's, that's budget for you. Everything you just described costs money. You're going to animate Delilah? I knew you'd never see Delilah because that would take time and money. You barely even see yourself. You see a very few animals like... Like it's, I mean, it's the harsh reality of game development is that all those things you described, you essentially have to design, especially a game like this that looks just amazing. Like this, clear where all the money went, right? That's what the but, wilderness is like. You can you can yeah. travel for a day and see nothing except yeah. Rocks that's and why trees. it's a good premise. You have to think like yeah. we have a limited budget for a game, and we have this ambition to have a beautiful forest. That means uh, lots of interaction with other people. No. <laughs> lots of animals running around no like all right so can we design a story where those become assets um and i think the heart of the story in the central part is kind of like not gaslighting entirely but what they want you to do is realize that you're messed up and they want you to doubt yourself and delilah encourages you in this of like thinking that you know they want you to think is this unreliable narrator did i wreck these girls camps in a sequence that i wasn't able to control during the playing did i set that fire like because people doubt you and you try to defend yourself but then as playing the game you're like well maybe that was me or maybe is there a conspiracy or am i just going nuts out here in the woods because that's the thing that happens right when you're out in the woods you start going a little stir crazy you start assuming things that aren't happening uh which is the whole core of the game 
Yeah, and people come out here and they're, you know, they're not able to handle it. And, it, you know, this is the type of thing that drives people. And a type of game like this can go in one of two directions. Either you can go whole hog, you can do like a Eternal Darkness type thing where that becomes a game mechanic and, uh, you know, fighting off, uh, trying to maintain your sanity or doubting what you see or not being able to trust what actually happens in the game. And it just gets, you know, it just, it starts off like, oh, you're in a fire watch. And by the end of the game, like there could be aliens falling out of the sky and everything could be on fire <laughs> and you wake up and, you know, or they can go the direction this game did, which is try to lead you in that direction. And I fought it mightily because I was like, I don't care what they say about Henry. I'm going to control, I'm going to say, Henry, keep it together. You are not going nuts. You probably didn't kill those girls. I'm really hoping that's not what you did because I feel like that's not the kind of guy you are, Henry. Um, and just keep it together. And in the end, uh, yeah, in the end, it turns out to be a prosaic explanation. And I think that is exactly what they wanted from this game and that he goes to this place to escape. And in some ways, the fantasy of I've come to this place and there's a government conspiracy and people are watching me and who knows what's going on. And there's all sorts of seekers in these woods. That would be a, quite an escape from your real-life situation. But in the end, wherever you go, there you are. There's not a government conspiracy. It's just one person you connected with over long distance from your watchtower. And in the end, you got to get back on the chopper and go back to civilization. It plays in the same expectations as Gone Home where you're expecting – you're playing a game. It, there should be something there that's you know really, really weird and out of the ordinary like a government conspiracy. And no, it's just this uh, – Or the occult or something. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, nope. It's simpler but, than that. But the theme of the theme of Firewatch is that you are t running to these woods to escape your life. Yes. And the whole idea, like it, it takes that escape away from you to say, um, you know, th this character has come here to get away from all these things that he doesn't want to think about. And wouldn't it be nice if there was this amazing adventure conspiracy to make him forget about all that and become the hero of a new story? But that's not the way it works in, in real life. Whereas in Gone Home, you start thinking like, oh, is it, you know. Is, are there going to be ghosts in this kitchen? Am mm. I going to, you know, like the bathtub with a red hair dye in it and everything? And that is, uh, Ghost Gone Home is mostly subverting your expectations as a game player. This, I feel like, is subverting the expectations of the character within the game. Because the character within the game took this job to get away. And the character within the game would be entirely uh, susceptible to getting all wrapped up into this thing like who wouldn't I mean, most people would because it's an exciting adventure but him even more so you know getting wrapped up with delilah and and the things that are going on and the mysteries of the woods and i think the character in the game would be just as disappointed as a lot of game players are at the end of it to realize oh it was all just normal stuff and i gotta get on the chopper well did everyone get on the chopper Wait, yeah. yeah, you can yeah. decide to knock on the chopper. You can decide you can. not to go on the chopper. <sighs> that's, that's a bad that's, choice. And, that's a bad choice. Because like, yes. well, that's the whole thing, right? The the weirdo in the woods was like, oh, here you can have my bunker, enjoy it, right? So mm. you can like decide the, not to go the, on the, the chopper Ned. and yeah, go live in his creepy bunker or burn to burn. death. Or burn to mm. death, yeah. Which is yeah. equally the team bucket dark. solution is to get yeah. on the chopper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, do not so, burn to death. So somebody, so explain this to me because one of my problems with this with this game, I I like the idea that you you get caught up in all of these things, but it turns out that that, that it's not as big a story as you think. I, I like that, but. There is a moment or, or a short series of moments late in this game where you get the radio thing. This is, oh, they found the girls. Um, they're fine. Uh, which takes out this whole, like, what happened to the girls? Did they did they leave? Did they do this? Did they get killed? What happened to them? You you, you get that. And it's like, oh, forget or that. Or are we going to get in trouble for yeah. not? Well, right. there was exactly. a little bit of it. There was some panic about the girls in the, in the middle of the game. And yeah. then it kind of, like, wrapped it up for you. But, but then it's just yeah. literally it's just like, oh, they found the girls. They're fine. 
I'm like, all right. But isn't that how yeah. it would happen yeah, if that's they did the just way it would be. Like you, were, you and Delilah are inventing this this possible drama. In the ways, it's a lot of like you know summer summer vacation where you go off and have this summer adventure that seems so important, but in hindsight, like nothing really happened. It's just you and Delilah. You have no outside input other than what she said she's communicating. Like there really is no bulletins from the outside world so you can spend days going back and forth like where are those girls sure are you sure you didn't do anything do you believe me i know you believe but, but and nothing is happening there's no new information available here you're just spinning out this tale amongst yourself because you have nothing else to do in the woods yeah and you're both like the the dialogue you're like both kind of amping each other up about what's going on like there's one point that she's panicking and you're like calm down it's okay like we're gonna figure this out and then there's another point that you're like are you even real who are you what's happening am i talking to myself yeah and then yeah, like yeah, at so the like, peak of that they're they're suddenly afraid to talk about anything because they're being listened to, right? And and mm-hmm. I thought that worked nicely. And, and that's the that's the thing. I mean, that that's a it's just kind of funny that it that it's just punctured so quickly. Um, but the the this I've never even heard of this place. There's a there's a clipboard. You're being listened to. There's a government thing with a chain link fence. We don't know what it is. We've never seen it before. I'm gonna go break into it. They they've got you know records of our conversations. Uh, oh, and now it's on fire. So somebody explained to me what the story is with the so gov- with the government gov- it's 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 just a research station except ned has planted things there to confuse you so he he's made it seem like they're spying yeah, on you like by when planting you're in his locker, he's there. got his mm-hmm. little typewriter and he's he's making fake reports all right which so, I found a little that was a little weak. And he didn't make it even if you look at there, he didn't make that many reports. Like if no. a report that's one page each, like he's not he's not even very good at faking it, but because you're caught up in the game, you're like, Oh, there's this station and this weird stuff and these beepy things. It looks like City Seventeen here. I'm expecting a giant <laughs> ant to come out and attack me in two seconds. But And presumably he starts the fire. Yeah. But but you realize if you look at what's there, it's like it's like three typewritten sheets of paper with radio intercepts. And like the it's rest all is eminently legitimate, boring science stuff that you don't understand. Right. In general, I found like that that plot point of oh, it's just some crazy guy in the woods who's listening to you and writing up fake reports. Like I found that a little strange and weak of a. I don't know, a guiding force through the game. It's like it's building up all this like interesting stuff that's happening and you're going around exploring. You have to go get the axe. You have to do this. You have to do that. You're walking all over the place. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we found it. It was just like this crazy guy making like making stuff up. Like, I'm like, why would he do? Why would the crazy guy do that? I would much rather the government research have had like you break into it and you go down there. And as you're leaving, like a government scientist is like, dude, what are you doing? Um you know, and, and but punctures your your paranoia about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have felt more reasonable to me. This is so such a kind of arcane collection of things that that have been all constructed together, and it's all in the mind of the crazy, you know, dad of the dead kid who lives in his shack or, or in his cave. And I don't know. It seemed it seemed a little a little too much to me too. I, I'd almost rather have have it just been been revealed that the government research station is uh yeah a government research station. Yeah, they're just like ha- taking soil samples. We're just like, doing our job here. No big dude. deal down here, guy. Like you're totally a weirdo. Thanks for breaking our lock. Tower. I guess I got a spare I can put on it. But come on, <laughs> man. So would you say would you you would not have Ned at all? Well, no. You wanted that pressure let out of that little part there instead of kept hanging for too long. It would have been nice if Ned didn't like plant evidence. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, sure, if he's some creepy guy li- listening in on the radio conversations and like kind of, you know, scaring you here and there by like coughing or whatever you find out. But uh, planting it in the government section. It's like one crazy weird. mastermind ploy too to far. End. Yeah, to too far. End. Like, the, the, why would, you know, I, I will accept a certain amount of the crazy guy out in the woods, but that seemed awfully detailed of a plot 
to I, I don't know. It just seemed like it, it, I, it took me out of the game because it seemed like a little bit too much uh, coincidence trying to tie those things together. And I'd almost rather they had remained, they had been untied and it just had been our imagination um, mm-hmm. completely separate from this crazy guy who was in the woods, sent us down. We got so paranoid that we went down this other path. I don't think he needed to be involved. I don't think it needed to have a fire and be destroyed and all of those things that, that seemed, yeah, that that's, I was that a little disappointed in like his final message that he, he leads leaves you because it kind of like it didn't feel like it was consistent with this person right no. like i mean mm-hmm. are they grieving or are they totally crazy but they're trying to manipulate you but they're going to leave you a goodbye yeah. message yeah I, I guess you found the body now i'm going to go deeper into the woods but you can have my cave yeah, yeah. yeah i think then, the story overall would have worked might have worked better if there was instead of being adults if it was young kids because again the whole thing kind of reminds me of like those times at like summer camp where you will spin out this whole world of what's going on at summer camp and the creepy cabin in reality nothing is going on anywhere and it's just a cabin that's not currently being used because they didn't get enough registrations for camp this year but as a kid uh especially a preteen kid you can spin it out into this whole sort of adventure that's going on and in the end in the end it will be a boring explanation maybe that you won't even found or maybe when you find it you will reject it and always remember that (laughs) as the summer of the haunted camp and the midnight escapades or whatever i mean what if it had been instead of crazy old guy being there for three years what if it had been the son Mm. who's living out there for a couple Mm -hmm. months because he doesn't know what to do because his dad died. But I'm saying like if the player characters in the game, like if Delilah and you were, you know, were young children instead, because young kids get caught up in these type of stories all the time, whereas an adult, what you would hope is either that the adult would see that what's going on is just prosaic. Um, and then like like Jason's saying, it's basically to, to get wrapped up and to think the game is leading up to big some grand some grand conspiracy and then to find out it's just, like you said, one maniac too far. Um, that That seems like something that as an adult, you feel like you wouldn't, you wouldn't fall for it. either. You, either it's going to be unreliable narrator, and it turns out that that nothing you've done and seen can be trusted because this guy is really damaged, and that could be an entirely different game. But if it is as this game is, essentially reliable narrator, everything you see exactly happens exactly the way it does, and you can argue with Delilah about it. But in the end, it's just a series of normal events. It does seem kind of anticlimactic to uh, to have it turn out to be as simple and straightforward as as the the story is i disagree because i feel like um in the moment as you're playing the game you've been there for three hours you discover the government facility there sets on fire things are going crazy and you're wondering what the heck is going on and then you figure out that it's entirely ned and when you figure that out that it's ned the forest is burning up around you you found a whole uh cavern you're freaked out because you're uh led to another tracking area and it says for henry go up and you're freaking out and you're thinking about what what you need to do next and you need to get through to uh, Delilah's lookout so you can get up in the chopper. For me, when I went into his cabin for the first time, I barely looked around. I looked at a few things and sprinted out because I was terrified of the fire. And to me, that made everything else in the game take a backseat to your relationship with Delilah. And that was just the last nail in the coffin for like, um, this game is all about you and Delilah and nothing about any of the red herrings because you're right. Everything else that happens with Ned and Brian is relatively tame. So I feel like instead of saying it's anticlimactic for that one magical, perfect playthrough you have at the very beginning, it works perfectly because you discover that you run over and then the last moments of the game are when you talk to Delilah on the headset in her lookout. And that is where the little signature of the game leaves its mark and says, hey, this is your emotional wreck night now because of everything else. And now here we are sitting and talking about how uh, how not problematic, but how tame 
game it was. And I agree. I feel like there could have been much more done to paint Ned as this crazy guy, maybe a more sinister last thing instead of, yeah, I ran out of books, but there could have been more there. But I feel like instead of going in the direction of tie everything together more, there could have been more in the direction of let's make Ned a crazier character and let the chips fall where they may. Because you know what? That's life. Maybe someone in the woods is actually doing something to screw with you and make your summer miserable. I don't know. But either way, that's life. And for me, that makes Delilah's relationship all the more important in the game. I think that's what they were going for in the game. Like I said, that they want it to be that they want you that the game is about going to escape and realizing there is no escape that from yourself and from your issues and problems that like Delilah, the relationship with Delilah is a similar way. Like they're not particularly subtle, subtle about it. And they realize that most people playing the game, trying as well as they can to try to make Henry make better choices are going to, as I did when I play, resist the idea that suddenly there's going to be anything romantic between you and Delilah because you're still married and you should still care about your wife. And like when they have you leaving the cabin, they have your wedding ring strategically placed by the door (laughs) that you can choose to put on or not. Like it really hits you over the head, but it's clear that they want you to to think about these issues and and make choices. And I mean, like, I don't you know, again, I would say that 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 is the the overall it's it's a strange it's a strange game to give that kind of message. The idea that um people have problems in their life and a lot of times it seems like you can escape with them through some other kind of adventure but in the end you have to come back and face them and no matter what you do you're going to find yourself in an empty cabin talking to delilah over her own headset and she's gone right and and you know you know and what you have to do is go back to your wife um and that that I think was the game is trying to get. So if if there was something exciting and consequential, like you busted this big conspiracy or found out the earth is hollow and filled with Morlocks, like that would that's the not the game they were making at all. Like that would that would be like this is great. In the beginning I was sad because of my wife because I I sent my wife back to Australia or whatever. But now this is great. I'm saving the world there's from Morlocks. Huge conspiracy. There's, there's a lot of games where you can murder Morlocks. We don't need any more of those, right? Yeah, or or discover them or any kind of you like it, it has to be it has to be a story that uh, like that doesn't you know that there isn't some big grand thing that you aren't don't even get to be particularly heroic or save the day or anything like that it has to lead you back to yourself no i like the the thing that i thought is really the culmination of this story is when you have to go down in the cave and you find the dead body and that reveals that is what unravels the story and so that's that's your crowning moment is uh this really sad thing whereas this kid fell and died and did he fall well yes yes he fell john that, i mean I, I think the game mostly leaves that open yeah i and suppose yeah, but the, yeah. because well, he, we don't he, you know john we, he fell how he fell remains to be seen yeah, but he yeah. fell a long way i think it's a little too well staged for it to be a fall well, i don't know why there's like the rocks are covering his head or whatever but they do leave it open i mean because you know ned could go crazy from the loss of his son or like i mean the, his son also said that he didn't like climbing so maybe his dad was forcing him to climb or like it doesn't really matter in the end that's not a key plot point in the game but i do i do feel like that is a core moment because yes. even though i when i'm going through the cave i realized that the son was probably dead down there just because mm-hmm. i played a lot of games and read a lot of stories but even they, even so I mean, there was there was and you shoe, see that shoe right? Right? there was yeah. a shoe, oh, like yeah. it's, you know, shoe again, says a lot again heavily telegraphed but even even knowing that and even having accepted that from early on i still found it affecting when i yeah. found the body and the music cue starts up then and it's a it's a very 
And you do feel like you discovered it, even though obviously you've been led to this point through a series of things that you basically have no choice in. I felt very, very nervous stepping over the body. Like that was the only option down there. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I felt really weird and very uncomfortable at that point. Like, you know, at that point, like I wanted to have a conversation with Delilah and you have to get out of the cave before you can do that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You could also be a real bastard to her. Like after that. I accidentally was and that changes your relationship with her a ton you could be like well it's totally your fault because you didn't radio this in and she's like what how dare you say that to me like she gets pissed and you're like everything's kind of ruined after that a little bit but I did that by accident it wasn't my fault (laughs) but yeah it totally did anyone everyone was probably really nice we're not monsters yeah i'm obviously a monster it was an accident i was playing on the on the playstation and the buttons Um, it was dark i don't know do you want to talk about the people want to talk about the camera my understanding is that if you're playing on the computer you get to take pictures and have them all developed at the end Mm -hmm. and in fact you can have them print them out and send them to you later um I thought that was a really fun touch. I kept having these moments where I thought, oh, oh, I got to take a picture of this, which I just thought was a, a lot of fun to to have that as a as a mechanic in the in the game that is pointless. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just you're taking pictures of your stay in the wilderness on this camera. I used it to document uh, what I considered evidence. Hmm. So I went in and took pictures of all of yes. yes. watch. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I took a photo of his crazy wall before we. I left the lookout station for the last time. Yeah, me too. So, but mainly, yeah. I took photos of you know. Uh, I, I knew it was going to be saving my photos, so I took beautiful nature photography. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the end of the game and realized that if you play it on the PlayStation Four, you don't get to get prints of your photos. Oh. I really hope that they add that because I took some awesome pictures. <laughs> Can you share them? On the no, web. you can't even you can't yeah. even see them on the web. Oh man, that's too bad. That's lame. When you, uh, John, when you did the credits, did they show you the pictures that you took? Yep, yep. That's how I know they came out good. Yeah, they should. They do show you your pictures, but you don't get the web the URL that you can go to, and you don't get to order print. So I'm, yeah, I'm I hoping. I was disappointed at the first time I didn't get to do that, so I played it again on Steam, and it was yeah, much I, better. I've started playing my second playthrough on Steam just so I can mm-hmm. make up for that. I found the gameplay even better on Steam actually than with the controller on the PlayStation. Of course, the uh, I mean the the nice touch in the disposable camera is that it belonged to uh brian and brian and and so as you go back you see all the pictures that you took and then you see the pictures that he took yep yep it's a nice that's that's that that's your last little punch that you get as you i forgot about that till i saw his son yeah yeah oh i want to ask anyone else in the very very beginning when you first get into the woods like after you've kind of established your base and you're walking around there's a spot where you can hear wind chimes and yes. it drove me crazy. I couldn't find them anywhere. And then at the very end of the game, you hear the wind chimes in, you know, the crazy guys hang out. Ned, right? That's his name. Who's what's Ned. the crazy Ned. guy's name? Yep. Ned. Crazy yeah, Ned. You, you hear the wind chimes where he has like that lawn chair on his little like, you know, Vista Terrace that he made. And I figured out that the wind chimes you hear when you're in the woods have to be those, right? Yeah, it's it's yep. uh, according to the uh, Reddit post about it. Uh, whenever you go below his window in the game you hear this faint chime and then you don't get to it until the end i thought that was a really nice touch i know they can't can't go full fallout where they make it like oh well if you you happen to find (laughs) that tie out on day one the game is over because that's that's a again a different type of game (laughs) that can be fun for certain kind of people but it also requires a bigger budget and some people find it not fun 
So uh, let's let's in while wrapping up here, uh, I, I would like to get your your final sort of final judgments, final verdict on Firewatch as a whole um, and how you how you how you view it overall. Um, everybody's been pretty positive, but I want to check in with everybody and get a get a, a closing remark. Tony, what's your thought about Firewatch overall? Uh, I think generally positive. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it to people, uh, especially if they liked other story games like uh, Gone Home or uh, the Walking Dead games or, or things like that. I mean, I think there are a lot of gamers out there who uh, seem to really hate those games and be angry that they exist, <laughs> um, which is uh, not, you know, I don't know. It's sad. <laughs> I mean, there it's are a, so the many existence games. of this game <laughs> does not hurt you. There are a thousand games where you can be a space Marine. Um, the existence <laughs> of this game does not mean one less space Marine game. There's still more space Marine games than you can ever play. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm I'm always looking for uh, more good story games out there. Hmm. Brian, what are your final thoughts? Any more games, just like Tony said, where I can have a non-gamer friend over and like get a few beers and play through a game like I would play or watch a movie with them, I am 100% sold. This game, to me at least, is worth getting a PS4 or making sure you have a good Mac to play because my 2012 Mac Pro, MacBook Pro did not uh, <laughs> uh, do this very well at all. Yeah, my my 5K iMac did just fine, so yeah, I was happy my, about uh, that. My 2011 MacBook Pro had some exciting frame rate issues, but but I made it through. That was yeah, you that's know. good. Ren, what are your uh, final thoughts on Firewatch? I thought it was incredibly moving, despite its in like little flaws. I I had the same sort of overwhelming mist feels that I've had with other games like this, with games like Gone Home. I did. I will admit, I had to spoil myself somewhat. Um, as soon as I, as soon as I got knocked out, <laughs> I had to spoil myself, uh, because I was so terrified that this was going to go in a direction that I did not want, that I was going to be like, I can't play this game. It's going to make me unhappy. Uh, so I spoiled myself just enough to know that there weren't going to be, there weren't going to be any guns in the game and then continued <laughs> and was like, okay, I can, I can enjoy myself. Um, but I, I thought that the game was wildly affecting primarily because of the way that the story interacted with nature and plays off your sort of your feelings about, um, how, how everything can get heightened in the woods, how everything can get twisted and turned out of proportion. And, you know, the sounds and music and freaky wind chimes and random abandoned, uh, houses in the, in the middle of the woods, even if they don't have anything you know, any regard to the primary plot, they still, they still capture you. They still, they still make you excited and terrified to know what's going on. Um, the disembodied voice is so great. I, I really enjoyed playing it. I want to play it through again, uh, cause I've only played it through once. I want to play it through again, uh, and make some slightly different choices because I, I think the voice acting in this game was magnificent mm. um and i really i kind of just want to hear more of more of the various dialogue that they had the the actors record because i really i enjoy i enjoy listening to henry and delilah talk it's a it's a really really good banter it's a great audio choose your own adventure um overall i thought it was was really nice it it reminded me a lot of gone home um and and hit me the same way that braid did in a strange way um, just kind of with the with the uncomfortable feels. The I'm not really sure if I like you. You feel embarrassed. You also feel like you learned something. Um, 
and and there's a sense of wistfulness and longing and more most of all it made me want to get off of the computer and go to Lake Tahoe and spend a weekend in the woods yeah i definitely had that like oh yeah let's go take a hike now um and watch out for crazy people uh, tiff <laughs> what's your uh, what's your final verdict on firewatch I did like it. I, I came around to it, but uh, I love the little details that that built character in addition to the tremendously great voice acting and dialogue. Like when you can find a hat in the very beginning and then like the hat's there with you. And if you don't find the hat, then you don't have a hat. And the every time he left the, the watchtower, um, he'd grab the ledge to like swing down yeah. off the stairs. Like that's it's so human. And like you get really drawn in with moments like that or, you know, with um. Delilah's final drawing of you like however you answered how you looked that's how the drawing was on her desk and with little inside jokes that you made or didn't make throughout the game are are all there or they're not there um so I really enjoyed all of those attention to detail that's you know most people wouldn't find but the people that do find it um have that little bit of delight when they when they play but um you know I, I would have liked it to be you know a strong lady going through the woods who fell in love with Delia. i thought that might uh-huh. have been a little different that would have been a cool twist on it but i think as it as it played out it was a really great game and they did a really great job with the budget they had john what's your verdict so i tend to like story games like this uh for myself i like i like to play them but i also like to recommend them because firewatch unlike so many games these days for the most part does not ask you to do something dexterity wise with a time limit with a purpose it doesn't ask you to memorize a move set to jump on moving platforms to shoot things in general no matter how clumsy you are uh from moment to moment with the controller or the mouse and the keyboard you can you you will be successful in the game a lot of games that don't have end states where you can die so easily or they're not asking you to do a mechanic they're not a virtual uh, athletic competition and that lets more people enjoy the things that games are, are uniquely positioned to do so i i like the type of game for myself as just kind of a break and to enjoy different types of games it lets games look beautiful like this game looks because those people because the game makers can put their money and their effort into other places like the scenery or the the, the dialogue or the voice acting uh whereas if you spend the entire game honing uh, game development process honing a game engine for some you know shooter or platformer you don't have time for that other stuff so that's one respect that i really i really uh, love this game and the other thing is more unique to this game than to other games is i like the fact that this game was even though structurally so similar to the games we've all mentioned uh that are generally not hand-eye coordination games have dialogue trees have a story have branching plots to varying degrees um that this game was different than those in that it was a different kind of story in a different kind of setting with things that we didn't expect we spent most of this uh podcast talking about how this game subverted our expectations of having a protagonist who wasn't completely admirable, of having to forcing you to inhabit this character that has bad things happen to them, of having a plot that doesn't follow the traditional structure culminating in some grand conspiracy, of having kind of a melancholy, bummer kind of climax and resolution of the story. And there's a lot of sameness in games, even within the games we're talking about. Oh, isn't Gone Home totally different than, you know, uh, Call of Duty? You're right. Gone Home is different than Call of Duty, but there's still so much greater range that games can take even if you think of like the range of, of novels and movies are still much broader than the envelope of things that games feel like they're allowed to do if this was a movie but no one would bat an eye like oh this is really breaking new ground for a movie there's plenty of movies about people in the woods who are sad who weird things happen to and you, you don't think anything of it but for games to do that 
Um, I think that's one of the most important things this game does. It shows that you don't have to tell the same kind of stories in the same kind of way in the same kind of settings uh, all the time. And granted, yet yeah, is a big, uh, you know, tubby white dude who's the main character. I uh, can't break ground on all fronts, but I, I just <laughs> I just like the idea that it is that it is definitely a different, weirder kind of game. Even if it doesn't appeal to people, and if you're like, you know what, I would like a different kind of game than this game, and it's weird and, and didn't didn't quite work for me. I want there to be more uh games like this so um even though i think something like gone home was like uh tighter and better realized in the end uh firewatch is its own unique snowflake that i'm i'm just glad exists and i want to see i'm glad it's doing well financially it seems to be anyway because i want to see more people say i've got a weird idea for a game too like and you know and in some ways like text adventures are much more adventurous because hey you can type whatever i want i can have text adventures about anything um i want more games like firewatch um i really enjoy playing it yeah, I, I agree. Fifteen or twenty dollars and three or four hours. I wish there were more games. This is the kind of game I want to play. I don't want to invest in a game that's gonna that I'm going to put two hundred hours in because I'm never going to put two hundred or one hundred or fifty or twenty hours in a game. I'm just not going to do it. But something like this, um, which is substantial to me, it's more than a movie, but it's also not a a thing that I have to, you know, it doesn't become a lifestyle either. I really like these kinds of games. I would love to play more of them. I, I, uh, I think it's interesting that this character is kind of off-putting. Um, I, I found him, I found him off-putting too. But I guess that's part of the point is, is you're, you know, you're trying to be put in a position like we were saying, where you know, wherever you go, there you are. You know, we're not happy. He's not happy with himself, and we're not happy with him. And we're him too. So I like that about it. And I'm what I will take away from it is the beauty. As much as I kind of quibble with the red herrings and the uh, ultimate resolution of this mystery, and I wish it was a little more puncturing of just like, oh, there are no mysteries. That was all in your head. There's there's just these different things. I would have liked that. I think better. I will walk away with the memory of wandering around in the woods. And that was really great. And it was beautiful and it was fun. And I, I, you know, I can't believe that I did it, but I actually advocated for more boring um, wandering and looking at the woods because I actually thought that that was really great. And feeling like that's the thing that a game can do is make you feel like you're living in this world, that it's, it's immersive in a way that in the end it becomes a real space, that you'll have memories of being in this space, even though it's not a real space. Uh, and you weren't actually in it, you know, that is the kind of magic that games can do that no other um, form can really do that, that feeling like you're, you were there. And, um, and I will uh, always appreciate that about Firewatch because of how beautiful that world was. So just wait for Firewatch VR. Can you imagine? Then you'll, then you'll never need to go anywhere to take a hike in the woods. All right, well, we're going to close up the old video game uh, video game door to the clubhouse for now, but hopefully there will be another game that will emerge at some point in the near future that we will uh, we will all reconvene and cuz I would like to play more games like this one, like Firewatch. Uh, I'd like to thank my panel for joining me to talk about a video game. Tony Sindelar, thank you. Thank you, Jason. It was fun. Tiffany Arment, thank you. Thank you. Serenity Caldwell, thanks. Feel better. Thank you. Brian Hamilton, thanks for being here. Very happy to be here. Thank you so much. And, of course, John Syracuse, thank you. I'm about, like, 650 hours into Destiny. I'm going to be really prepared for our Destiny podcast when we have it. 
Okay. You already did that. So noted. Uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. We will see you next time. Goodbye. When I first heard the term walking simulator, I thought it was just a mean person on the internet calling these games like lame and you just walk around your house. It's the same thing. You're thinking and of then... Skyrim. That's the walking simulator. <laughs> but when I went on Steam, it's an actual genre in their directory for video games is walking simulators. And I thought, really, this is what we're calling these now? They're they're much more than that. That's not uh mm, No. As I said, I think on another podcast, I don't remember which one, that the, the dawning of the, the true VR or, or when the one of the largest categories and most profitable categories of games is literal hiking simulators where there is no game because people go hiking in the woods all the time. There's no game there. Like you just go in the woods because it's a beautiful place to be. I mean, there's so much to there experience. People gamify everything. So, you know, I know. But, but you know what I mean? Like like a, a hike. Sim- <laughs> These are called walking simulators somewhat derisively is like, oh, well, you're just kind of going through a story. But no, like literally like because we have like, you know, truck simulators, drive a truck yeah. across the country. At least then you're driving something. But yeah. like a hiking simulator is there's just woods, man. That's it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you get a little zen kind of Some moment. people, they, they'll only settle for murder simulators. That's what yeah. they need. Mm-hmm. You know, I've started playing Euro Truck Simulator, and I don't do any of the game stuff. I just drive around and listen to podcasts, and it's amazing. Like, I, I feel bad for the um, game developers who actually put a really deep game in there. I do nothing with it. <laughs>